In the age of Instagram and social sharing, brick-and-mortar businesses offer a unique advantage that even the biggest and best online platforms can't compete with. On Brick and Mortar Reborn, we talk with business owners and industry experts about what they're seeing work best for brick and mortar businesses who aren't just competing with their online counterparts, but thriving in spite of all the options that customers now have. We'll share exactly what you can do to set yourself up for success with an experience that wows your customers and keeps them coming back for more. And now our host, Bobby Maramat. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Brick and Mortar Reborn. Today, we have a very special guest with us, Allison O'Claire, who is the Vice President of Product Management for Customer Experience Offerings at Oracle NetSuite. Allison, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Bobby. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I know things can get really busy, so I appreciate you taking some time uh, with our listeners today. I'm personally very familiar with your offerings, but would uh, would love if you gave us a quick glimpse into Allison first and then, you know, into what NetSuite is. Yeah, sure. So I am, my name's Allison O'Claire. I am, my mission is around helping retailers, distributors, manufacturers achieve their omnichannel success. It's what I've been doing for 25 years now. I've worked both in, with small companies, large companies, retail for the last 15 or so years, but manufacturing distribution as well. Uh, and the areas of e-commerce, CRM, order management. So really all the key components that you need for omnichannel. That is my world and what I love. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Walk us through NetSuite. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I know you just did that at a high level, but like, what is what does a customer come to you for? What do you typically do when you kind of deploy a customer on, on, on NetSuite? Great question. So one of the reasons that I decided to leave IBM and come to NetSuite was this mission of bringing Omnichannel to the masses. And so when you look at why customers come to NetSuite, really it's one place to run their business is the, the overall reason why they do that is, if you ask a customer why they chose NetSuite, that's almost always the answer that you get. It's everything I need to run my business in one place. And when it comes to retail and the area I'm responsible for in particular, it's all about making omnichannel real for them. So our customers, we have customers ranging from you know, small to medium businesses up to mid-market and enterprise customers that have come to NetSuite. And it's all about helping them realize their vision and make omnichannel real. Is there a customer that you uh, are comfortable kind of sharing kind of as they came into the NetSuite ecosystem, what you actually did? I'm trying to make it so that our listeners understand how they can come to NetSuite if they're looking for, you know, types of solutions that you provide to really, because in in this day and age, it's really important to kind of get online and offline really in sync. So would love to hear like a real life use case or real life client that you can share with us. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the biggest challenges I see customers coming with is connecting the experience together. It's great to have a good sort of inventory system, order management system. It's great to have a good online presence, a good in-store presence. But connecting them all together is what gives them the secret sauce, the, the real seamless experience for Omnichannel. And so one of my customers and local favorites is actually a local um, toy retailer called Henry Bears Park. They have about eight stores in the Boston area. That's where, where I hail from. And they came to NetSuite originally, you know, looking for some of the, the cores, your ERP capabilities, so your inventory management, order management, financials, you know, that was sort of an initial interest, but we're very much interested in having that power and fuel their digital transformation. So in order to really become a digital business, you need not just your online presence, but you need the whole package. You need to be able to connect online and offline and seamlessly blend the physical and the digital. And so Henry's Bears Park 
Um, yeah, all our has uses our sweet commerce capabilities, our sweet commerce and store um, POS, which is built for omnichannel from the beginning and uh, fully uses NetSuite's ERP and that all is unified. And so they don't have to worry about how they bring things together. They don't need to worry about connecting front end and back end. It's just there. And that enables really interesting things to happen. So take the pandemic as an example. Things were shifting so frequently. So at the beginning, everything brick and mortar shut down. And for them, they were able to very quickly say, okay, I'm just going to shift all my business to online. And they were actually able to turn their store even into a fulfillment center because they supported store pickup and, and store. And so they were able to make that shift. And then when things started to open back up again, they were able to then reopen, but saw this you know, continued strong interest in that the transition between physical and digital. So going from online, picking up in store, you know, receiving things shipped to me, that was a key part of what they were able to do to differentiate. And so that I think they and most of our customers would say, I can do that because it's all one system. When I change something, I can very quickly change it in one place. It's available everywhere. I can you know, switch things and meet the market demands that I have. 100%, 100%. And as you said, Allison, that's like more important today than it's ever been. I think a lot of this has got accelerated you know, during during COVID. What's interesting is we, we have you know, people that are come to us all, you know, almost every day saying, hey, I was an e-com only play. Now I'm trying to get into brick and mortar. Uh, I'm a brick and mortar play. I'm trying to get into e-com, like really kind of you know, be able to tie the two things together. Uh, and what's interesting is it's it's a really hard problem, right? Because you have people that have POS, um, POSs in store that don't talk to their e-com platform. They don't know what inventory exists in store. They can't pick up in the store because the inventory is never right. Like there's a bunch of problems that exist that I think based on what you're saying, and I'm very familiar, of course, with NetSuite, but NetSuite solves at a very high degree. That's great. Yeah, and I think that's just over the course of my career, one of the most challenging problems I think people have dealt with is that, connection and in particular inventory and order fulfillment, right? If you go from a pure online or a pure brick and mortar into an omni-channel business, you have to think differently and you need a, you need really good control over your inventory and where it is and how you will use it to meet that demand. You need the flexibility to be able to change your operational model to do things like pick up and ship from store. That changes the game, both in your store footprint in terms of the logistics of operating your store it also you know needs to be supported by that flexibility behind the scenes you know it doesn't happen by magic right it happens because you have a great inventory picture you're able to be flexible and create different kinds of rules to different deal with different situations and empower people to have the tools to deal with exceptions when they come up and that's what people forget about they forget about the case where it isn't perfect <laughs> we have to plan for all eventualities yeah for sure for sure. What are some of the things uh, we, we've, of course, probably both witnessed and and realized a lot of the, the changes in the, in the consumer side, especially during the pandemic. But what are some biggest changes that you saw that you witnessed uh, your clients telling you about really over the last few years uh, in, in the pandemic? I think the biggest thing was just the drastic shift to of their bit more of their business to online, which is not surprising. It happened across the board. But the implications behind that were interesting. Those who were already using e-commerce, you know, what we we saw the numbers spike. You know, we're a SaaS solution; we can see what's happening with volumes. Everybody spiked to holiday volumes or more B two B and B two C, actually, which was quite interesting to see. And different industries had just slightly different 
patterns, right? We saw apparel, you know, like has been observed in the market down at first and then back up again. We had other things that, you know, spiked immediately, like some of the protective equipment and health and, you know, health and human services, fitness things you could do at home. Different categories had different results, but that spike was universal pretty much across the different customers. The other thing that we saw is those those who obviously didn't have an online presence needed to get one really fast. <laughs> so they a lot of people scrambling to do that. The other really interesting trend was much uh, by necessity, more adoption of things like pickup and delivery, it, because that was something that was of interest. And some people were doing it before the pandemic, but it became a requirement to survive once the everything locked down. And I think we'll see that persist. I think now that we all have a taste of the convenience of pickup of the delivery, you know, ship to home, that you'll see people come back to the store for the experience of it. But I think that we'll see continued high demand for things like pickup and delivery because we're used to it now. I think the interesting part is that it just opens up whatever whatever you're in the mood for. If you're in the mood for just buying online, picking up, right? Or if you're in the mood for actually going and, and experiencing the experience of the location and the brand, I think it just opens up so many avenues where you could basically interact with the brand if the brand is set up this way, right? To be able to uh, interact how you how you see fit and what your mood is it is for that day, right? <laughs> yeah, and one can drive the other. What the interesting thing we've seen with a lot of customers who've implemented pickup is consumers do that for the convenience of knowing that what I want is there when I go. But we do, they do see a lot of people actually going in and browsing and buying some additional things. So it does drive additional business to the store. Early on, people thought, oh, pickup will cannibalize my in-store sales. And that proved to be the opposite, actually, that happened, that it drove more people to the store and drove them to buy more things. Yeah, no, it's super interesting. We actually have, uh, we recently actually did a study over over 500 consumers. And what was interesting is, it actually had a lift of about 18% for the, for the customers that actually bought online, came to pick up in store. They saw a lift in exactly what you're saying of more sales kind of in store. And that's what's actually pushed some of these e-com only brands to, to actually put up, you know, storefronts, right? For the experience, for people to come browse, for people to feel that brand aesthetic and what the brand is all about, if you will. I definitely think that the two are correlated for sure. Yeah. And then it can drive the opposite way as well and a different type of experience. So Lovesack is another one of, of our longtime NetSuite customers. And they're another one of my my favorite brick and mortar experiences because it's they're really more of a showroom. It's experiential. There's there are some things that you can buy and leave with when you leave a Lovesack store, but for the most part, you're ordering things that you're gonna get later that are gonna get shipped to you. You know, covers maybe you would order online. And so you can browse the additional content that that's there about other different kinds of covers. But inventory turns out to be the key there because there every sale is about, I want this, when can I get it? You're not leaving with it. So having the associates be empowered and knowing with a fairly complex setup sometime with some of these sectionals of all these different components that are needed to meet this customer need, when can I get them and setting the proper expectations. So we found that to be interesting and a, a effective solution for them. Share one of your, your kind of favorite in-location experiences. I have two. One's a big and one smaller. So I, I am a fan of the Apple Store. <laughs> so I think, I think everyone, that, everyone loves Apple Store. <laughs> I know. Well, for a couple of different reasons. One, for just the experience. There are only so many things that I'm willing to 
go in person. And I, it's usually because it's something I want to touch and feel and see, and, you know, experience in person. But I love the layout, the space, the experience of it. Um, I also love the that there's no cash wrap, right? That it's the the associates float around and they have all the toy the tools that they need at their disposal to answer my questions and help me do whatever I need. So I think that element of customer service I like a lot about them. You know, one of my other favorite experiences was hyperlocal. That was like a local jewelry store that was in my town and jewelry, home goods, like again, things that you really want to experience in person. That was more about the personalized experience, right? Of knowing the person, knowing the person, the person knowing me, them having a sense of what I like and being able to curate what was there for me and really help me find the things that I wanted. And so yeah, they're, they're unfortunately gone after the pandemic, but I think we'll struggle like a lot. But that, that sense of the personal, I think, makes a big difference. Makes a big difference. Yeah, you're totally right. You've interviewed, I think, a few of our NetSuite customers, Tegelas and Hammond, and I think you've probably heard a similar theme from both of them. It's about the service. It's about it being personal and really making it an experience for customers. And so I think that is true of most of the great experience or the experiences we think of as great in-person experiences. Yeah, that's actually a great segue into my next question that I had for you. What is why is creating a, a great customer experience, especially I mean, all throughout, right, online and offline, but why is that more important than ever? That's a great question. I think obvious points are that our expectations continue to rise as consumers, right? There's We've seen so much. We've sort of grown into the digital age and seen it emerge as it was being created. And our expectations continue to rise in terms of what we can get, how fast we can get the convenience of it. And so I think if you're so much of why we buy is actually, I think, the service even more so than the product. Like the product has to be something we need and or want for sure. But why I choose to make a purchase from this brand versus that brand has so much to do with the service and the experience around it. And by that, I don't only mean the in-store experience either. I think it's how can I seamlessly move between channels? How can I have a great experience online that reflects the brand and seamlessly transition to a brick and mortar and vice versa? because our lives are, are fast paced. I know I have two young children and I work full time. I don't have a lot of time to, to do things and to shop at the leisure I once had. So having that ability to really seamlessly interact wherever I am and wherever I need to be and have that retailer meet me where I need to be, you know, to me is what makes a difference in buying from one brand versus another brand. And so if, we, if you can create that, I think you can have a competitive advantage over your competition. What are some of the problems that you have retailers come to you uh, where they're you know really facing with brand engagement and or like optimizations that they want to make to their to their customer journey? It's often, as you heard um, the Tikova folks say, it's often about connecting. Right, the biggest problem that we hear from our customers is my experience is disconnected, and it's way harder than I thought to put it together. <laughs> right, and, and so they're typically coming and looking for that unification. And what does that mean? If you think about all the things that are common to your in-store experience, to your website, and to your sort of back-end management, pricing, promotions, inventory, order status, all of these things need to be right and consistent across all of your different 
touch points with your customer to make it feel unified. And if any one of those breaks down, there's trouble, right? It creates fracture points in the customer experience and people see that and they expect better now. Like there was a time where it was okay that online was different from in-store or from when you called to get help a personal shopper or something like that. It's not okay anymore. Now it's people's expectation is that it's there. And when it's not, it's obvious. And so most of our customers, when they come to us, that's what they're looking for. They want the silver bullet (laughs) that they don't have to connect everything together. They want one system to run their business and they want that unification to be easy. So not only is it easy to implement upfront, but if they need to adjust something in their business, like their competitor made a move and now they need to change pricing, they, their supplier, one supplier got delayed and they need to reset expectations or switch to a different supplier and have that difference in inventory reflected in, on all their touch points to customers. They can do it once. They want to do it once. And with NetSuite, they can do it once and it's available everywhere. That's magic to a lot of people. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I mean, a lot of companies have been trying to crack that for, for a while. So it's great to hear that, you know, it, it should be one of those areas that people are focusing on. If it is, you know, come to that suite and kind of solve that problem, if you will. In regards to that, what are some problems that, uh, or keys, I guess, not problems, the keys to winning shoppers in, in this really digital and physical experience world where things are kind of blurred and, you know, lines are blurred and it should be the same experience throughout. Yeah, I think there's a couple aspects to it. One is content is key and having an equal quality of experience of your your products online and offline is super important. We hear that continuously from our customers that are brands and retailers that having the video, the 360 view, the lots of different pictures, having the website look like your store and look like your brand is a key part of having customers feel like that's a unified experience. And so making sure that you have that unification is super important. And that goes to other content like pricing and promotions, right? To make sure that you're consistent more and more. We're going to a, not a local price, but a more generalized pricing model, not everywhere, but it's not unusual. And and consumers are starting to expect that. The other part, I think, of making that seamless experience is having all of your different fulfillment options available everywhere. So if I'm online, I can pick up in the store. I can, I might not know it, but it could get shipped from store so that it gets shipped to me faster. Like if I want to do ship to store to save on shipping costs that I can do that. And the other way around, if I'm in store and you don't have what I want, find it to me, ship it for me, save the sale, right? Don't let me walk away (laughs) without the items that I wanted because you have me as a captive audience. Maybe I'm out shopping and I don't want to carry all this stuff home because I do have my two children with me and I don't want to carry three boxes of stuff. Give me the convenience of shipping it to me as well. So there are, I think, lots of different examples where it's like, it should just be the same and slightly different variations as I just described, but I should have that convenience everywhere. That's what our omni-channel shoppers are looking for. And if we don't have it, I think it's difficult to succeed. If there's a listener right now kind of uh, listening to this and saying, great, Allison, that's great feedback, but how do I, how do I get started here? Before even calling, calling NetSuite to kind of help bring the online and the kind of physical experience together, do they need to do any, anything before they, they get there? Like, are there any steps or advice to get there initially? 
Yeah, it's a great question. I I get the question a lot from our customers, like, how do I do this? <laughs> what are the tips and tricks? And I think getting control over your current inventory picture is an excellent place to start because no tool is going to give you good data in and of itself, right? You have to have a sense of where you are. A tool can help you keep that up to date on a regular basis, but find out where you're starting from. Is it a small problem or is it a bigger problem? And think about the processes you might need to put in place, regardless of what the tool is, to get to a place where you have confidence in your inventory, because there'll always be little exceptions, right? Things are inventory in stores is notoriously fluid. So it could be that somebody picked up that item and you put processes in place to handle that. But you shouldn't be telling them you have three if you don't have three, right? That's that type of expectation setting can really break a consumer's trust. And so getting control over your processes of how you manage your inventory, I think is super important. Thinking about what it means for your store footprint to do omni-channel is also a really important planning. Where are you going to put the things that you pick for a store pickup? What are you going to, how are you going to package them? Do you need different kinds of bags, wrapping things? If you're doing ship from store, who's going to do that? And where are you going to do that? Like, are you going to create a special space for it? Are you going to expect that they're just doing that from behind the cash wrap? There's logistics of boxes and packing materials and label printing. And do you even have a printer where you can print labels in your store? Like there's a lot to think about logistically that impacts both store labor and processes and store footprint that you really have to think about before you implement a tool or at least start thinking about. What are you kind of most excited about, aside from, of course, the NetSuite technology uh, <laughs> in the coming years that you think is really going to really take off on the brick and mortar side? I think the increased adoption of mobile, for sure, and being able to use your mobile device in store. I already do it somewhat today, but being able to do that in a more elegant way for in general, I, I'm super excited about because everybody's got their phone with them, right? It's a huge opportunity to augment information virtual reality, to be able to even let the consumer themselves check if something's out of stock in your store to be able to check and really self-serve. Like there are so many things that people like about that blended experience where your device just becomes part of the in-store experience. I think there's a few brands that I think have started down that route or have a good experience in that route. But I think that there's a lot more that could be done to really make that a great hybrid experience in the store. One other thing that's less direct consumer controlled, but I think makes a big uh, uh, difference with inventory accuracy is RFID. If we can use that to make inventory more accurate, the experience in general will be better. And for our listeners that are not maybe uh, super familiar with that, are are you saying maybe adding kind of an RFD element to every inventory item so you can kind of manage it? Yes. So being able to know, rather than having someone to go do a cycle count, if items could tell you where they are directly, tell your system where they are directly, it saves you a lot of time and effort and is much more likely to make your inventory accurate. So that that would be pretty cool if it were wide widespread adoption. 100%. 100%. I've seen that in some apparel brands uh, recently where they add kind of uh, RFID to their apparel items so they can make tracking easier. But yeah, absolutely. Are there things that you would say, um, just from a standpoint of, as you, again, think about kind of this journey and, the, and creating this journey for, for companies that are, are thinking about this critically and thinking, let me go take this next step. 
Are there elements that you would stay away from? Like, are there things that they should not be doing right now as they prepare for this? Are there items that you would say are, are things that you would give as kind of the contrary to advice, but like advice of what not to do? That is a good question. I, I think if you're getting ready to make a major change, you may want to think about how much you're going, how much you want to in advance of that change your existing processes or systems, right? If you're embarking on a digital transformation or a transformation that's going to blend your physical and digital, you're going to introduce a lot of change built to your consumers and your employees. And so you may want to give them a little breathing room <laughs> before you start to to change a whole lot. Because I think one thing that people underestimate is the impact of the change on people, people, both your consumers and getting used to the new things that you offer, becoming aware of them and how to use them and your employees and figuring out how to deal with them. It's a huge change. And we, as humans, generally underestimate the impact of change on people. This transformation is a big one, and it has a huge impact on people. Is there, um, you know, I, and I know every company is different. Every, 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 every company is in a different part of their journey, if you will. But at a very high level, we get this question a lot as well. Okay, let's say I made the, I made the really leap to go bring together my, my two worlds, if I will, if you will. What does it take time-wise? Is, is this like a three-month project, a two-year project? Like what's, what's typical kind of time span? Yeah, like anything else, it depends. But I would say you something you want to think about introducing gradually again because of the level of effort and the level of change. And so I often get the question from retailers like, should I do pickup first? Should I do ship first? Should I from ship from store first? Should I do ship to home first? Should I just start by only showing availability on the website but not doing fulfillment? There's lots of different potential starting points. And to some degree, where you start depends on where you that particular retailer will see the most benefit. You know, for some more than others, ship from store can be a huge benefit to the bottom line. Like if you're reducing markdown and making better use of your inventory, that is a it's an indirect impact to your consumer experience and that they can get the item that they want and get it in many cases faster than they otherwise would. But there's also a huge ROI that helps you to justify the project in general. So that I see a lot of times people starting thinking that they're going to do pickup first. I think it's actually more complicated to do pickup than ship because you do have that direct consumer interaction that you're trying to control where you have to be sure you have the inventory. You need to you know go and pick it and confirm and message really well when you want the consumer to come to the store. You need lots of exception handling if it's not working the way that you thought it would, like you don't have that particular inventory when you thought you did. So I actually think pickup, although it's maybe a flashier from a consumer perspective for many brands, it can be more advantageous to start with ship from store and then evolve towards pickup and delivery. Allison, that was, that was a wealth of information. Is there anything I, I forgot to ask you that you want to make sure our listeners know? I think the key thing to, to be aware of and to think about is, and I would say this whether I worked for NetSuite or not, you'll hear lots of people talk about integration as easy. It's not as easy as it seems. <laughs> We're all trying <laughs> to make it easier. But really think about where are those potential fracture points in your customer experience and try to eliminate those as much as possible because that's where you're going to be- get the biggest benefit for your business. If you identify those things where we don't get this right. Is this if this is not seamless, whether it's price or promotions or inventory or order fulfillment or something else, that's killer. They're not going to come back if we disappoint them in that area. 
put your focus on those things. And, you know, having a unified system really helps you to do that. But even if you choose not to, if you choose to integrate things together, focus on where those fracture points are in the customer experience and make sure that you're taking care of those first. Allison, thanks so much for spending some time with us today. I really appreciate it. Are there any favorites uh, local to you, uh, like uh, your restaurants and or retail stores that you love to frequent that you want to tell our listeners about? Yeah, so I'm in the I'm north of Boston, and I do have favorites. I live near near Newburyport. If you folks are familiar with that, so I do have a couple of favorite restaurants that I would give a shout out to. The Coop Rotisserie and Restaurant Emily's are two of my favorites. Crave as well in Amesbury. They're all local restaurants that I love and frequent often. So I gave my shout out to Henry Bears Park, who's one of our customers, but also one of my favorites uh, as well. So those are some of the the merchants that I, I'm really glad that they persevered and and have gotten through the pandemic and and love to visit. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you again so much, Allison, for spending some time with us today. That was that was wonderful. It's my pleasure, and hope it was uh, helpful for all you listeners out there. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brick and Mortar Reborn. To find the resources mentioned in this show and detailed show notes, head over to brickandmortarreborn.com. dot